Welcome to the Envisioning BYU podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU addresses that highlight the university's institutional vision. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Kevin J. Worthen, president of Brigham Young University, delivered this university conference address titled Inspiring Learning on August 22, 2016. What a glorious sight it is to see you here. I say that with some trepidation only because, because of the lights. I can only see the people in the first probably half of there, so that may give license to you at the, at the top to fall off to sleep. But it is a joy to be with you this morning. There's something about the beginning of a new school year that brings hope and optimism. Now, I think by now you know me well enough to correctly predict that my message today will somehow focus on the mission statement. That's not hard to guess. I continue to be impressed with how language in this three-decade-old document sheds clarifying light on many of the new situations, new challenges, and new opportunities we encounter. I believe there was inspiration in the creation of that document and that inspiration will come from continued reflection on its principles. So as we reflect on this year's conference theme, which reminds us that the Lord requireth the heart and a willing mind, I hope that what occupies a good portion of our hearts and minds is the role we are to play in assisting our students in their quest for perfection and eternal life. The mission statement makes clear that our primary role in that process is to help our students learn. We are to provide them a period of intensive learning. That phrase describes the rigor of the learning experience our students should have. Other portions of the mission statement describe the content and outcomes of that learning. In terms I hope are now familiar to all of you, the mission statement indicates that above all else, our students should learn the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition, they should experience learning that is broad, learning that enables them to think clearly, communicate effectively, understand important ideas in their own cultural tradition as well as that of others, and establish clear standards of intellectual integrity. Our students should also experience learning in the special fields of their choice, learning that will enable them to compete with the best in their fields. In addition, they should experience learning that renders them not only capable of meeting personal challenge and change, but also of bringing strength to others in the tasks of home and family life, social relationships, civic duty, and service to mankind. The Ames document effectively boils all these down to four main points. We are to provide learning that is, one, spiritually strengthening, two, intellectually enlarging, and three, character building leading to four, lifelong learning and service. Notice how each aim is directly connected to to specific portions of the mission statement. The spiritually strengthening aim links to some parts of the mission statement. The intellectually enlarging aim links to others, as does the character building aim. Other sections of the mission statement explain the lifelong learning and service aim. There are even more links than this slide shows. But hopefully this visually conveys the truth that one cannot fully understand the aims unless one fully understands the mission statement. While the aims may be easier to remember, I venture to guess that more people can recite the aims than can provide a word-for-word rendition of the mission statement. While it's easier to remember, the aims are not independent and freestanding ideas that simply supplement the mission statement. They derive directly from the mission statement and provide a shorthand description of its key learning principles. 
Now, perhaps out of a desire to simplify, simplify things as much as possible, perhaps as a result of my diminishing capacity to remember even four things, but largely in an effort to succinctly explain what we are all about in a way that allows people to easily remember, I've tried to simplify the core learning goals even more, while still emphasizing that a full understanding requires a return to the mission statement. After discussions with many of you in many settings, I concluded that one two-word description that achieves that end is inspiring learning. Note again, as this slide demonstrates, that one cannot fully understand the full meaning of the term inspiring learning without a full understanding of the mission statement. Like the aims, it is a summary, not a replacement for that document. Now, inspiring is an interesting word. It derives from the Latin term inspirare, which means to breathe into, and more specifically, to breathe, breathe life into. Inspiring is both a noun and an adjective. The noun is described as the act of inspiring or motivating. In this sense, the term inspiring learning describes actions which inspire or motivate students to learn. As an adjective, inspiring is a modifier. In this context, it describes a kind of learning, learning that inspires, or more precisely in our setting, learning that leads to inspiration or revelation. When I use the term inspiring learning, I have in mind both meanings of the word inspiring. I hope we inspire our students to learn, and I hope that learning leads to inspiration. When both things happen, inspiring learning occurs. And we can know we are on the right track to achieve the core goals set forth in our mission statement. While the term inspiring learning may not be familiar to you, my guess is that many of you are familiar with the phenomenon. Inspiring learning occurs in many of our classrooms for many of our students on a regular basis. Indeed, it may happen so often that we fail to appreciate how ex exhilarating it can be. We grow used to it. Sometimes it takes someone from outside the university to point it out to us. Let me share one example. This past January, New York University professor of journalism Jay Rosen came to the campus as a guest lecturer. Let me share with you what he posted shortly after his visit. Quote, This was the scene a few days ago when I gave a guest lecture at Brigham Young University, which of course is a Mormon school. A most unusual thing happened before I was introduced. Unusual for me, normal at Brigham Young. Dale Cressman, who organized the event and guided me around campus, asked a student to begin the event with a prayer. The student stood and prayed for help in feeling grateful for the opportunity to learn. I wish more college students felt that way and expressed it as well as she did. I found the BYU students a joy to teach, Prof Professor Rosen continued. They were extremely engaged. With good humor, they tolerated me asking and re-asking them the same question ten times answering in a slightly different way each time, which allowed me to make a new point in response. After the talk, at least a dozen of them thanked me, and each one shook my hand, looked me in the eye, and made a personal connection. Grateful for the opportunity to learn. That wasn't just words to them. It was one of the best experiences I have had in 30 years as a professor." Close quote. That's an example of inspiring learning. And classrooms are the central places in which that kind of learning occurs. I hope we can make each of our classrooms a place of inspiring learning, places where students become excited about learning and where that learning leads to revelation. While it is essential that our formal classrooms be sites of inspiring learning, that by itself will not completely fulfill our mission. 
Let me return to the mission statement, this time to the second paragraph. All instruction programs and services at BYU, including a wide variety of extracurricular experiences, should make their own contribution toward the balanced development of the total person. Note, all instruction, including a wide variety of extracurricular experiences. Some of the most important inspiring learning opportunities occur outside the formal classroom setting through experiences that are, in that sense, extracurricular. And without implying either that we have fully perfected classroom instruction or that we are going to emphasize classroom instruction less, let me suggest that one way we can enhance the quality of inspiring learning at BYU is to expand both the quantity and quality of the kind of learning that occurs outside the formal classroom, the kind of instruction that many call experiential learning. Just like classroom learning, experiential learning can produce the kind of inspiring learning that our mission statement challenges us to provide. Experiential learning has become somewhat of a buzzword in academia in recent years. However, for us, there is a deeper, even doctrinal, reason for pursuing learning by experience in a systematic way. We are all quite familiar with the scriptural injunction that we seek learning even by study and also by faith. That describes two of the key ways by which we learn important truths, by study and by faith. But those are not the only ways in which we learn essential knowledge and skills. Gospel teaching instructs us that we learn by study, we learn by faith, and we learn by experience. Learning by experience is a central purpose of our mortal journey. As Elder David A. Bednar once observed, learning by faith and learning from experience are two of the central features of the Father's plan of happiness. We could not have simply memorized celestial laws in our pre-mortal life and declared ourselves fit for the celestial kingdom. We needed to come to this mortal existence to experience certain things we could not experience in our pre-mortal life and to learn from those experiences. Experience is a key part of our mortal learning process. Similarly, students cannot learn all they need to learn by memorizing or even discussing principles in a classroom, as exhilarating as that may be. Experience connects theory with application and deepens our understanding of the principles and truths we learn. And in my view, experiential learning can be inspiring learning in both senses of that term. It can inspire students to deeper learning, and it can be the type of learning that leads to inspiration. Now, there's ample evidence that experiential learning can inspire and excite students to learn in ways that have a deep and long-lasting impact. Describing the results of his, his study about student learning at Harvard, Professor Richard Light observed, quote, I assume the most important and memorable academic learning goes on inside the classroom, while outside activities provide a useful but modest supplement. The evidence shows the opposite is true. When we ask students to think of a specific critical incident or moment that changed them profoundly, four-fifths of them chose a situation or event outside the classroom. Close quote. Likewise, in a 2008 study, George Koo, the founding director of the widely used National Survey of Student Engagement, identified ten teaching and learning practices that have especially high impact on students. Five of those including such things as internships, service learning, and undergraduate research involved activities that would easily fit into the category of experiential learning. Other studies underscore the point. A 2014 survey of approximately 30,000 college students conducted by Purdue University and the Gallup Poll evaluated the relationship between various college experiences and subsequent success at work and overall life well-being. 
The survey sought to correlate high measures of work engagement and well-being with various college experiences. The results were telling. Workplace success did not correlate with the size of the university attended, large or small, or whether the university was private or public. But other factors did seem to matter. Specifically, the study found that the chances that individuals would thrive at work, the highest measure of work engagement, doubled if during college they, one, had an internship or job where they applied what they learned in the classroom, two, were actively involved in extracurricular activity or organizations, and three, worked on projects taking more than one semester to complete. The first two clearly involve experiential learning. The third may as well. Evidence from our own campus also illustrates the ways in which experiences outside the classroom can inspire students to learn. Let me cite as one example the Phage Hunters program in the College of Life Sciences. This program enlists students early on, sometimes as freshmen in their very first day of class, to begin original research. The students collect soil samples and for the next two semesters work to isolate and identify a bacteriophage that has never been seen before. One project involves students working under the direction of Professor Sandra Hope, who was searching for a viable way to treat a disease that affects honeybee hives. Notice in this video the involvement of the students. America Falbrood is a disease in honeybees. It causes an infection in the larva. This bacteria is very, very, very contagious. If the antibiotic doesn't work, the beekeeper would have to seal the bees inside the hive and burn it down. I decided to study phages to try to find a therapy for America Falbrood because this approach is a natural approach to kill bacteria without having to use antibiotics. Phages are viruses that infect bacteria. We're just using nature's natural bacteria killers to fit our specific purpose. Freshmen and sophomores can be in our phage hunters program where they actually get to isolate phages and also do DNA analysis. It's exciting for them. They get to name their own phages, which is fun. We take electron microscopy pictures and when they see their phage for the first time, it's like they had a baby. It's so exciting. So they get really excited about that. It's nice for freshmen to be able to isolate their own phage and to characterize it and even to take it to a conference to present their research on it. Every student that has a genome sequence, we try to get it published. Brian Merrill was a student in our Phage Hunters class, and he entered as a sophomore. As an ORCA grant recipient, it's been a really good experience for me to, to talk with the professor on an almost daily basis about research. It's been a good foundation for me. It's exciting to think about the students involved in this because this is application research. We have a cocktail of three phages that we use in a treatment, and these were isolated by students, and they're really effective at actually curing an infection in a beehive. We could see noticeable improvement in the hive, which was really, really satisfying to know that something we developed in the lab was actually working in the field. We've treated beehives and been able to have a between a 90 and 100% cure rate. That's pretty exciting, considering antibiotics may only cure about 50%. The phage treatment is so promising. We have submitted a patent for the treatment, and we are pursuing FDA approval. Brian actually received a National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship. It's actually really amazing for an entering PhD student to get this type of a fellowship. To discover something and take it immediately to market is quite a rare opportunity, and it's something that BYU really has helped the students in the Fade Chimers program be able to do.
Those of you who are very observant and follow basketball may have noted from the names of the phages that at least some of the students were themselves basketball fans. As noted, the student most prominently featured in the video, Brian Merrill, signed up for the phage hunters class as a sophomore. After completing the class, Brian was hired as a TA and worked as a research assistant and mentor to other students in the class. By the time he graduated from BYU with his master's degree in molecular biology, Brian had already published or co-published eight research articles and worked on 23 genome sequences. He is currently pursuing a doctoral degree in microbiology and immunology at Stanford University. Brian's initial experience with phages clearly inspired lifelong and career-enhancing learning. I believe such experiential learning activities can also help students learn to be inspired. Now, given the nature of the phenomenon being measured, there are no academic studies, at least none that I could find, that address the impact that experiential learning may have on a person's ability to receive inspiration or revelation. But there is other, other evidence that at this unique institution is at least as persuasive. We're all familiar with the Book of Mormon account of Lehi's sons going back to Jerusalem to obtain the plates of brass. In a sometimes overlooked portion of that account, Lehi notes three times that the Lord commanded him that he should send his sons back to get the plates, thereby making clear that Lehi was not supposed to do this himself. Having been the father of sons who were at the ages of Nephi and his brethren at the time, I have some sense that had Lehi been given the simple direction just to go get the plates, he would have attended to the task himself. It would have been simpler and easier. That's how it is with teenage boys sometimes. However, the Lord made clear that Lehi was to send his sons. Why? I suggest that at least part of the reason is that the Lord wanted Nephi and his brethren to have an experiential learning opportunity. It may have been easier and faster for Lehi to get the plates himself, but God was not interested just in getting the plates. He was also interested, probably more interested, in helping Lehi's sons in their quest for perfection and eternal life. And he furthered that process by providing those sons with a learning experience that caused at least one of them, Nephi, to receive inspiration. When Nephi returned to the camp after that learning experience, he came back not only with the plates, but with a greater faith in God and a greater understanding of how inspiration comes. He had experienced inspiring learning. Nephi's experience in obtaining the plates, or more precisely, Lehi's experience in facilitating that experience, demonstrates an important truth about the kind of inspiring learning that comes from experience. It requires that the teacher have great patience and a clear understanding of the larger purpose involved. Perhaps as a result of God's commanding him multiple times that he should send his sons, Lehi came to realize that as important as the plates were, and they were of great importance, as demonstrated by the fact that Nephi took Laban's life to obtain them. As important as the plates were, securing their possession was not the main object of the experience. The main purpose was to refine Lehi's children, who were also God's children. Similarly, as important as our research may be, and some of it is of enormous importance, some of it life-changing, even life-saving, as important as our research is, it is not in the long run as important as the eternal development of our students. I applaud and admire the way so many of you pursue both these ends with full purpose of heart and mind without sacrificing either. But it is hard work. Again, one illustration will stand as proxy for numerous others that might be provided. 
Helicopter pilots in Antarctica affectionately refer to us as the worm herders, and they refer to our study plots as the worm farms. So just about every year I take uh, an undergraduate student or a graduate student down with me to help perform the field work and the lab work. We can only take a handful of people down there, and so the work that a student does is very, very important. The McMurdo Dry Valleys are the coldest, windiest, driest valleys on the planet and so anytime I find anything living in these valleys I'm pretty amazed that the most dominant most abundant land animal in Antarctica is a nematode worm. I just went to Antarctica and I'm working on the nematodes they're really amazing because they live in the really extreme harsh environment and I really want to know how they get there and when they get there and why they survive there. We have these plots that are laid out like little garden plots and in each of these plots, uh, we can study the effects of environmental changes that we manipulate. My colleagues are always saying, dude, uh, are you bringing another student down this year? Because each year, my students have just been fantastic. They've, they've always been exemplary students, exemplary scientists. And so I can get them all trained up, take them to Antarctica, and then they really, really shine. So nematodes are really, really tough organisms. Sometimes we'll chisel down into the ice-cemented permafrost, which has been frozen for maybe thousands of years. And then we'll bring these chunks of ice back to the lab, thaw them out, and the animals just are like crawling around in there, completely alive. And it makes me wonder how they were able to survive for so long and then be reanimated again. The nematode worms that live in this environment have a really clever way of getting around the problem of freezing. They dry themselves up to a crisp. Then when liquid water becomes available again, they just take the water back up into their cells and the cells start to function normally again. At, at any time in my lab, I have between five and 10 undergraduate students who are working on various aspects of this project. It provides terrific opportunity for undergraduate students to become directly involved in some pretty meaningful research. Enter to learn. Go forth to serve. Right? That's what I'm talking about. Taking students, especially undergraduate students, into such a project requires a great amount of perspective and faith. To quote Professor Adams, Supporting a single human being in Antarctica is the most expensive, most difficult, and most precious part of doing research down there. If something happens and a single slot opens up, we have to select a person best suited to help with the project. Most of the time, that means bringing down other famous scientists or postdoctoral fellows who are highly skilled in a single area. However, on several occasions, I've been able to justify bringing students down because I can train them very well on exactly what they need to do. And because my students have always been exceptionally awesome, hardworking, skilled, and fun to be around, my colleagues are happy to have them on the team." Close quote. So far, six different students have accompanied Professor Adams to Antarctica, three of them undergraduates. This coming year, he will bring two other graduate students. And while there are risks, there are also enormous rewards. Professor Adams reports, the first undergrad I brought to Antarctica is now a faculty member in another department in my college. The second one is a faculty member at UC Riverside. The third is just beginning his medical residency in OBGYN. The first grad student I brought down is now a geneticist at a USDA research center. The rest are still in my program working towards graduation. 
Inspiring learning requires faith both by the students and by the faculty member. It is not an easy task, but it is an inspiring one. So we might ask ourselves, what can we do to enhance the impact of these kinds of inspiring learning experiences at BYU in the coming year and coming years? Let me make three simple suggestions. First, we can expand the number of students who have a meaningful experiential learning opportunity. We can, for example, look for ways to to provide more faculty mentoring opportunities for them. The impact of faculty mentoring can be enormous. According to one report, which was summarizing a large number of academic studies, quote, compared to non-mentored individuals, those with mentors tend to be more satisfied with their careers, enjoy more promotions and higher income, report greater commitment to the organization or profession, and they are more likely to mentor others in turn, close quote. The impact is even greater at a place like BYU, where we are interested in more than academic or temporal success. Because we challenge faculty members to be leaders in their fields of research, and because we also ask them to be faithful in the gospel, BYU faculty members provide living examples of the power of learning by study and faith. Students can first see, then work with, and eventually emulate role models who have demonstrated that they can excel in both their fields and their faithfulness. Experience of that kind is truly inspiring in both senses of that word. However, there is a limit to the number of faculty mentorship opportunities we can provide. As good as they are, our faculty have only 24 hours in a day, and they have already stretched themselves almost to the limit. Fortunately, other experiential learning opportunities can also provide inspiring learning Things such as internships, study abroad programs, field work, service learning opportunities, and even on-campus work are all experiences that, properly structured, can provide opportunities to both inspire students to learn and help students learn to be inspired. To increase the number of students who can have such experiences, the university this year provided substantial additional funding to each college with the central stipulation that they be directed to students to facilitate a structured experiential learning opportunity. Because the calendar year is not yet complete, it is too early to measure the overall impact of this increased funding in terms of number of students having such opportunities. However, anecdotal reports from every college indicate that the funds have allowed numerous students to have an experiential learning opportunity that they otherwise would have had to forego for economic reasons. The results have been encouraging enough that we are working to provide additional funding again in 2017 and to make securing even more funds one of the top fundraising priorities for the university. In addition to increasing the number of opportunities for inspiring learning experiences, we can work to make the opportunities even more impactful by being more purposeful and intentional about what happens in those activities. While traveling in a foreign country can be a life-changing experience, Through careful planning and careful and thoughtful planning, the impact of the experience can be magnified several fold. Similarly, internships provide insights into the skills required to succeed in an occupation. But increased planning and foresight can make the experience considerably more meaningful by ensuring that certain kinds of activities occur and that there is adequate opportunity for reflection. I challenge all involved in such activities to make sure we are maximizing the amount of good that can result from them. Finally, we can increase the amount of inspiring learning moments for our students if we recognize recognize that both experiential learning and classroom learning are enhanced by the quality of the relationships we develop with our students. Research has shown that, quote, high-impact learning practices 
are powerful in part because they are relationship-rich, close quote. The 2014 Gallup Purdue survey I mentioned earlier found that one of the key factors that correlated with success in both work engagement and overall well-being was a high-quality relationship with a faculty member. According to to that data, graduates' chances of thriving at work and in life doubled if the students had a professor who, one, cared about them as a person, two, made them excited about learning, and three, encouraged them to pursue their dreams. BYU should be a leader in this regard. Our mission statement provides that all relationships within the BYU community should reflect devout love of God and a loving, genuine concern for the welfare of our neighbor. If our students feel this, they will be inspired to learn, and they will learn to be inspired in profound ways. Let me share one example. Four years ago, one of our graduate engineering students, Shannon Zerbell, received a $100,000 fellowship from NASA to work on a project with laminate-compliant mechanisms in space. She received a lot of attention, and we used her success, quite frankly, in our fundraising efforts for the new engineering building. People resonated with the idea that their donations might help bright students like Shannon be involved in cutting-edge work. She was very articulate and very gracious to share her time in informing people about her work as part of our fundraising effort. It was only some time later that I learned the more complete story of her BYU experience that led to the fellowship. I share portions of it with her permission. When I graduated from high school, she wrote, I went to Georgetown University. I had a misconception about BYU. I thought girls just came here to get married, so I didn't even apply to BYU. Two years later, I went on a mission. During my mission, I served with several companions who were students at BYU, and my opinion of BYU changed entirely. When I came home from my mission, I applied to and was accepted at BYU. I'm not brilliant, she wrote, but I work hard, so I know I can accomplish good things and hard things. But I need ready reassurance. Maybe it's because I'm a woman, a woman in a male-dominated field surrounded by men who think differently than I do. Do you know how hard that is sometimes? One of my biggest concerns, she wrote, about staying for a Ph.D. was the qualifying exams. Just prior to taking them, Dr. Larry Howell gave me a blessing. Being able to receive a priesthood blessing from my advisor was one of the highlight experiences of attending BYU. Every morning, she wrote of the exam week, I went in to get words of encouragement from Dr. Howell. On Wednesday morning, before the dynamics exam, as I was leaving his office, I said, I'll try to make you proud. He replied, You already have. She writes, Can I tell you how much of a difference that made for me? I went into the exam feeling blissful, feeling like I didn't have anything I needed to prove. I just had to do my best, and that was going to be enough. He couldn't have said anything more perfect. She concludes, I've had many experiences like that with professors at BYU where they have shown such genuine concern for me. Inspiring learning will be greatly enhanced if those with whom we interact feel Christ's love for them through us. Our efforts to enhance inspiring learning, the kind of education for eternity described in our mission statement, can have an enormous impact on all of our students. But it need not and should not end there. You will shortly hear from Elder Clark about a new global initiative in the Church educational system, an effort to provide learning to saints and others throughout the world. This initiative is inspiring and will give us the opportunity to magnify the impact of what we do here. 
However, I believe we can best accomplish that by focusing in on our principal and board-directed role, which is to enhance the learning experience of our students in all the ways described in the mission statement. We need not alter or change our focus. We simply need to do well, to do better what we are already doing, and then look for new ways to share. The mission statement succinctly sums up how we can best help in words that, though written nearly 35 years ago, seem to somehow have this global initiative specifically in mind. In meeting these objectives, BYU's faculty, staff, students, and administrators should be anxious to make their service and scholarship available to The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in furthering its work worldwide. We should be anxious to make our service and scholarship available to the Church in this exciting worldwide endeavor, but we can best do so by meeting the objectives set forth in the prior sections of the the mission statement. Our mission is clear and simple. It can, in one sense, be captured in the phrase, inspiring learning. But it is more accurately and more fully described in our inspiring and inspired mission statement. As we face the opportunities and challenges of the coming year, I urge you to return to that mission statement often and to contemplate what your role is in carrying out that mission. I promise that as you do so, inspiration will come. It will come to you and it will come to your students. You are not here by accident, and they are not here by accident. Our coming together will allow God's work to go forward, both in our own individual lives and in the lives of others on this campus and throughout the world. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Envisioning BYU podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches and classic speeches, as well as BYU Speeches compilations on marriage and love, overcoming adversity, Joseph Smith, Come Follow Me, By Study and By Faith, and Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on Podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.